Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Find 1 Peter. Please. First Peter. You know, nothing excites, excites me more than the Word of God. I mean to tell you, I get turned loose. You couldn't get me to shut up. If you got me to start to preach in the Word of God, I'll tell you what. I just, just, just want to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Of course, you don't know that. <laughs> Amen? Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And to whom it may concern, the title of this message is The Integrity of God's Word. Okay? The Integrity of God's Word. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Father God, that this Word is anointed. And Father God, I thank You that the anointing that's within shall rise up. That your word may go forth, not in wisdom of man's teachings, but in the wisdom which the Holy Ghost teacheth, in the power and demonstration of your Spirit, Father God, that it may hold fast to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that that resurrection may be powerful in the midst of your people. Father, we know that the greater one that's on the inside shall cause it to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The integrity of the Word of God. First Peter. Actually, this is a good subject. I don't think I ever taught on it before. I may have inferred that we should know about the integrity of God's Word. We should understand it. We should hold The Word of God first place in our lives and know that this Word has integrity. But I don't think I've really ever talked about integrity itself. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.23. Uh, hold it there just for a minute. I want to give you the definition of the word integrity. You know, sometimes just definitions will give light. You know, you just, the Spirit of God, like there's another word I'll point out to you, but I was just back there studying like, you know, always and looking through my Bible, and you always got different Bibles. You've got the Amplified here. You've got this translation here and another translation here and the Greek here and you know, your Strong's here and your Vines here and you've got all these things here. And, and you know, you, what, what in the world? All these books, you look like you're not making any, any progress. But the Spirit of God will speak to you. Well, the Bible says He'll show you things to come and He'll speak unto you, right? Whatsoever He's heard the Father say. And so, it's just like it rose up within me. The Spirit of God said to me to look up a certain word. And He'll do that for a reason. You know, and it'll just produce light. It'll give you light, give you better understanding. And you may have done it before and, and, or read over the Scripture before, but didn't get the true light, you see, until you maybe looked up the Word and found, found out what it was really saying. And I did that over some Scriptures that I must have read many, many times. I've quoted many, many times. But you've got to, I think that's why the Spirit of God takes you where you're at and reveals and reveals and reveals where you're at. And as you grow, you get more and you get more and you get more. You may go over the same scriptures and get more and get more. How much more is there in the Word of God? Well, forever. 
forever and forever and forever. And if you want to grow, you'll grow and 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 grow until you're going to be at Jesus. You still grow and keep growing every day. Amen? So the word integrity, we'll just give you a simple definition. An unimpaired condition, soundness, or firm adherence to a code or artistic values, or the quality or state of being complete, or undivided. And then the word that stuck out was incorruptibility. Incorruptibility. Integrity. And that's what draw, drew me to this scripture here, 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Incorruptibility. Integrity. Incorruptibility. Now the word incorruptible, I wrote that out too just to give you the completion of it. Incapable of corruption. Incapable of corruption or decay. Or not subject to decay or dissolution. Incapable. It's, it's not possible. It is incapable of decay. Think about that. The Word of God is incapable of corruption. It's just not possible that it would corrupt. It's impossible for it to decay. Any farmers out there? Well, I'm sure you've got some gardeners out there. You know as well as I do that if you got a seed and you stuck it in your garden, so long as the seed was incorruptible, it's up to the soil to make that seed produce fruit. And so if the seed is planted in good soil and if the seed is incorruptible, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's going to produce fruit, right? Alright, now are you ready? The Word of God is incorruptible. It's not subject to decay. Impossible. That means, beloved... When you get the seed of God's Word and plant it into good soil, then that seed will produce whatever it was designed to produce in your life. And may I say this because of so many people that... For some reason, want to find fault with somebody. I don't know why people like to find fault with everybody, but they do. When you say that God has to honor His Word, and the Word of God must work, and it cannot fail, and if you have done all there is to do to stand upon God's Word, and you have truly worked the Word and met every condition that the Word says that you should meet, then that Word must produce fruit. And I don't care what anybody says. That does not take away from the sovereignty of God. It does not. 
Let's get these things in a proper place. Let's see what God's sovereignty really is. Let's, and let's understand that when you stand on God's word, beloved, if you hold fast to the word of God and you do what the word says to do, you must reap the results of what you're believing God for. If, if the word did not have that kind of integrity, friends, you couldn't stand on it. You'd have nothing to stand on. Well, you wouldn't know. What would you know? You wouldn't know if the devil came to steal that word from your life. You wouldn't know what, you, what are you going to do. You wouldn't know whether God just didn't want you to have it or the devil's trying to steal it from you. But when you know that you know that you know in your spirit that the word that you plant in your heart is incorruptible, then that word must produce fruit. Amen? So let's say it like this. The... Bearing of the fruit of the Word of God is based on the condition of the soil or of the heart or spirit of the person that is applying or planting the Word into their heart. So, the Word, in order for the Word to produce fruit, it is the responsibility of the individual. The Word will always work you must work the Word. It's never the other way around. It's never God didn't want you to have it or it was not God's will. Amen. If it's in the Word of God and you hold fast to the Word of God and you exercise your faith in the Word of God and you plant the seed into your heart and you begin to stand and protect that seed inside your heart, the Word in your heart, it has got to produce the fruit. Has to. I want, you, I want to express that. Get that across to your spirit. Because I want you to know that is the firm foundation upon which you stand. Actually, the integrity of God's Word is your basis for faith. The integrity of the Word of God is your basis for faith. You must know and understand that the Word will work all the time, every time you use it or work it. And you must understand, this is what I did in all humility when I first got saved. I knew that if the Word says, if you abide in me and my Word abides in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I knew that if I asked what I will and it wasn't done unto me, then evidently the Word did not abide in me. And I said, Lord, I missed it. Where did I miss it? Show me where I missed it. i got to get that word to abide in me because I know that your word does not fail. There is integrity to the word of God. Someone said, well, I did that and tried to get healed. And it didn't work. So repent and humble yourself before God and just start all over again. Put the word back in your heart and it'll work. And you'll get it. How can you say that, someone said? Because the word teaches it. If it didn't teach it, I wouldn't say it. I'll tell you what, I'm getting bolder. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody, uh, some, thank God for experiences, but some fellow minister, uh, well, I guess not really a minister, but a doctor, Christian doctor, and uh, he wanted to talk with me about a certain thing, <clears throat> so I agreed to it. And we sat and talked the Word for an hour and a half. And I kind of think, well, I guess he thought he knew a, lot of, knew a lot of the Word of God before we sat down to talk. But then after we sat down to talk, it looked like he just said, well, it looked like I just got to start all over again. 
Because you see, people are not looking into the Word of God to find out the truth. We just start talking about some things like the subject of divine healing, uh, predestination and eternal life and the will of God. And beloved, to my amazement, there are a lot of people that have been Christians for many, 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 many years that don't understand the integrity that's found in God's Word. And for every time I'd point out a scripture, there'd be an oh, but. Oh, but. Oh, but what? Integrity in God's Word means you know that that Word is true. It cannot fail. It will not fail. It'll never be moved. It's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. God spoke it. God ordained it. God is behind it. The whole throne of God is behind it. And as long as you apply the Word and speak the Word in your heart, it'll produce fruit. And you know that I will not. I'll change if I have to, but I'll not move from that Word. That Word will work. And I'll make it work in my life. You've got to know that to understand the integrity that's found in the Word of God. You don't just read something and find out, well, your circumstances contradict it, and so you just go off and say, well, you know. Right? I don't want to get into what we talked about because it's not relevant. But anyhow, this scripture says that the Word of God is incorruptible. The Word of God is not subject to decay. That's very important. I want, I want to hit that across to your spirit. It is not subject to decay. You know what happens when a seed decays, it can't produce fruit, right? But this seed cannot decay. If it's planted in the soil of your heart, if it's good, then that spirit will do what? It will cause the seed to produce fruit. I'm going to show you how that works from the spirit into the natural. But let's just say that the integrity of the Word of God is our basis for faith. Write that down. You need to know that. The integrity of the Word is your, your basis for faith. Say it this way. The integrity of the Word is my basis for faith. It's mine. That's my basis for faith. Okay. The reason for unbelief and, wa un and wavering faith is a lack of assurance of the integrity of the promises in the Word. It's a lack of assurance of the integrity of the promises in the Word of God that will produce unbelief and, and wavering faith. Wavering faith and unbelief. Lack of integrity of the promises of the Word of God that's in the Word of God. You've got to have some integrity and know that God's Word is integrity itself. It's incorruptible. It cannot be moved. It cannot be decayed. Now, in the first covenant, let's go back to Genesis, the 17th chapter. Well, first of all, let's go to the 22nd chapter. Find the 17th chapter if you want to. In the first covenant, God himself, Jehovah, was the surety of that covenant. He, in other words, it was the responsibility of Jehovah to see to it that the word he spoke came to pass. It was the I said it was the responsibility of Jehovah to see to it that the words of the covenant were brought to pass. In other words, it was his responsibility to keep the word and make it good. All right? It was Jehovah's responsibility. But there was a condition that had to be met by Abraham. This is the Abrahamic covenant. Let's just find the 
Let me see, we're in the 22nd chapter, verse 16. Well, let's start with 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn. Notice the angel of the Lord is speaking. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, Isaac, we know, that in blessing I will, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will. It's God's responsibility to do it. This does not take away from God's sovereignty. Okay? It's His responsibility. Sounds like, you know, faith people have been accused. You sound like you've got God in your hip pocket. No, 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 no. Got it in my heart. Hallelujah. Amen? He's in my heart. And I know Him. And I know that if He said, then He must. His sovereignty means He goes and does things in spite of us. Not because of us. Okay? Let's put it that way. Amen? He does things, miraculous things, in spite of us, not because of us. And that, beloved, is His sovereignty. Because though God's way of doing things in the earth is through His Word. And the life of someone that's sold out to Him. So He said, I will bless thee. I will multiply thee. I will do this. I will do that. May I ask you, if He said, I will do it, must He do it? Well, couldn't he just back off a little? No, he can't back off. He can't lie. He's got to do it. He's got to do what he said. Especially when you understand the meaning of covenant talk. When you realize that once Abraham died, that covenant, once the testator is died, has died, the testament is in action. Isn't that right? And blessed be God, you cannot change the will. You can't change God's will once Jesus died. He can't change the will. He's dead. He's died. But praise God, he's alive again. Okay. God was responsible to do what he said he would do for him. And you'll see that he did. But go back to the 17th chapter. And I want you to realize that by himself, he said, I have sworn. In other words, God has linked himself with his word and made himself a part of his word. You cannot separate God from his word. God has linked Himself up with His Word. The angel of the Lord spoke and said, God has linked Himself up to His Word. You can't separate God from His Word. God and His Word, they are one. Here's what He said in the 17th chapter, verse 1. When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I want you to know that when... when um, Abraham offered up Isaac, his only son, to the Lord said, Because thou hast done this, this thing, you have walked before me and you were perfect in your actions toward me. If you do it, he says, I will make my covenant with you and I'll be the almighty God to you and I'll bless you and I'll multiply you and I'll give you a long life and etc., etc., etc. He said, all these wonderful things I will do for you. Okay. In verse 2, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and you know he talked with God. Now go back to chapter 15. 
Now, the condition is laid out always before us in the Word of God. Every promise has a condition. If you meet the condition, I heard one man of God who I was surprised to hear say this. I will say I was surprised to hear him say this. He says, even though sometimes you have met every condition, God does not choose to answer. And I will not mention any names. <laughs> but he said that in one of his books. And I just looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And I said, I cannot believe that. I cannot buy that. I need to have scripture to see that. Brothers and sisters, if you meet the conditions, God must answer. He must I mean, he even did it when it wasn't his will for the Israelites. They desired it from their hearts with a sincere heart and they asked God for a king. He didn't want it, but because they did it, they gave it to him. He gave it to him. Gave him the desires of their heart, even though it wasn't his will. Well, then blessed be God, if it's your will to have something and it's God's promise to you and his word and you met every condition, you better believe he's got to give it to you. He can't break that covenant. God cannot break his covenant. Can't do it. He cannot lie. Because I'll tell you something right now. You know, you know what it takes to meet his condition sometime? Count it all joy when someone gives you four flat tires and seals your battery and cuts all the hoses in your car when you come out of work. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah. And if he don't meet it, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Blessed be God. You've got a right to say, hey, listen, Father God, you, you promised me in the Word if I counted all joy when I fall into diverse temptations to try in my faith and work face, I'd be perfect entire wanting nothing. Hallelujah. And I better be perfect entire wanting nothing. Because to meet the conditions that's in the Word means you've got to put under the soulless man and you've got to put under the body and you've got to walk in the Spirit. Amen? And when you do it, you are meeting God in the spiritual realm. And when you get out there, blessed be God, it's all free. Hallelujah. No, God's got to meet his need. I don't care what anybody says. You can't shake me. You can't, make, you can't make me move. I am firmly fixed, established, trusting in him and his word. And I don't care whose name and how big that name is in the faith world. When the Bible tells me, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And the Bible tells me if, if his word's in me and I'm in him and I speak forth those words, those words will come to pass in my life, then they will. If I meet the conditions. If I don't meet the conditions, then it's another story. Amen? Okay. Now, in the 15th chapter, did you get there? After these things, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. Notice the word of the Lord came. Unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, what wilt thou give me? I like that. You say, that was pretty bold. No, he knew covenant talk. Are you hearing me? Abram knew covenant talk. You need me to walk before you and be thou perfect so I could be your covenant partner. All right, I have my life to give to you. What will you give me? Every covenant head had to have something to give. They had to. You don't go in a covenant relationship for nothing. One tribe might have a lot of money, but the other tribe has got a lot of muscle power. And if this tribe wasn't willing to be in covenant with that tribe, all the money they had couldn't buy them from killing them. So what do they do? You guys need the money. We need your power. Let's go into covenant. 
You got something to give, I got something to give, and it's working out good for all of them. Amen? So, the Father says, I need you. I want to be in covenant with you. Walk thou before me, be thou perfect, I make my covenant with thee. Well, what will you give me? What do you have to offer? I'll be your shield. I'll be your buckler. I'll be your exceeding great reward. I'll be to you El Shaddai. I'll be the God that's more than enough in your life. And I'll give you a long life. And you'll live to be a ripe old age. You'll go to sleep with your fathers. I'll protect you. You'll have eternal life. You'll be free from sickness and disease and poverty. And I'll make you the richest of all the land. I mean... Oh, hallelujah. That's what he said. I mean, it's in here. It's what he said. Let's go on. Lord God, what will I give me? Sing, I go tireless. And uh, the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And, the, and behold, the word of the Lord. Keep, her in, keep, her in, keep in your minds the word integrity. When I say the word of the Lord. Came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. All these words that he's speaking are words of faith, words that belong to the covenant. If Abraham keeps the word of the covenant and walks before him and, and is perfect. Going down to verse... Well, Abraham believed in the next verse, but going down to verse 15. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Well, I don't need to tell you the rest of the story. I've told it to, told it to you many, 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 many times. But, but you saw in the 22nd chapter that Abraham walked before God, and he, he was perfect before God. He did all God told him to do. He did it without reservation. He didn't even hold back his only son, Isaac. And the Lord said, I've sworn by myself, because there's nobody higher. Beloved, that is integrity. God who cannot lie swore by his own self. Okay? That I will, I will, I will, I will, I will for you. Now, that's what he did. Abraham knew it. The covenant was in effect. And God did every, without going to find it, God did everything. Thing he said, I will to him, to Abraham. He was buried in a good old age. He gave him the seed. He was wealthy. He had eternal life. He was prosperous. He went in peace, meaning healthy. Peace, you'll go in peace. I like that. And you know the story. After 135, he got married again and had six more kids because he wasn't satisfied. You know the story. Okay. Did God fulfill what he said he would? Did he? That's integrity. He had to. I said he had to. See, I knew this a long time ago. God has to. If it's in his word. Okay? He has got to keep the word. He has to keep his word. God cannot lie. You've got to understand that if you're going to understand integrity. Now, in the fourth chapter of Romans, we, you don't have to go there, but you know the story. It talks about how Abraham believed God, it was a kind of righteousness, and he followed after God before God, and, and he calls those things to be not as though they were. But Abraham just believed the word that was spoken. 
Abraham believed the spoken word, the word that God spoke, the word that came to him by the angel he believed to be from God. He knew that word held integrity, so he knew the integrity of the word of God, so consequently he just didn't try to believe God. He just acted upon what he said. He just did what God said to do. That is the most beautiful picture of faith that I have ever seen. God said, take Isaac up into the mountain, take him up there and offer him up for me a sacrifice. Okay? That is faith in its highest degree. Okay. You mean faith is just doing what God said? Yep. But the thing is, do you know what God said? Most people don't. When it comes to faith, when it comes to any area of their life, they don't know what God said. And so, of course, they cannot do what God said to do. And then again, I think if they had a word of an angel came, an angel came. I'm so glad I learned this stuff in the little old mill crane with all the dirt around me. No angel would come and tell me. I just took it from the pages of the Bible and believed it. If someone says, well, if I had an angel ten foot tall come and tell me some things, I'd believe sure enough. Oh, would you? That's not the word of an angel. That's the word of the Son of God. I'd rather have his word than the word of an angel, wouldn't you? Amen. Well, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Sixth chapter. In the book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter, let's take a look at verse... 16. Now remember God swore by Himself. God, Jehovah God, is the surety of this covenant. He has got to see to it that every word that is spoken comes to pass. You say that is a mighty big job. You better believe it is. But God's big enough to handle it. Every word. Can you see yourself? Can you see the Lord saying to you, Every word that you speak, I will hold you accountable to see that every one of them come to pass. Oh, dear Lord. You know what everybody would do? They'd buy the biggest box of band-aids you could find, and they would tape their mouth shut from ear to ear, and they wouldn't open it by the time they put so many on there that by the time they got open, they'd forget what they were going to say anyhow. And they wouldn't say anything if you were held responsible. But God is responsible to see to it that every word He speaks comes to pass. That's integrity. He stands behind His Word. He swore by Himself that the words He speak will come true. In the sixth, uh, chapter of the 16th verse. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. I could preach a mile right there. I, just not in talking to this fellow, but talking to other people. You would think that when you get somebody who is of greater authority and you say, well, look what they said, it would put an end to all strife. But Caesar said, oh, no more strife. See, they're arguing back and forth. But one of them finally says, but Caesar said, oh, no more strife. And we're sitting back talking and talking and talking. And, you know, well, I don't believe this and I don't believe that. I don't believe everybody could be healed. I don't believe God's will to heal everybody. Blah, 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 blah. I said, but the Bible says he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. Who do you got integrity? What do you have integrity in? God's word or what? Your religion or whatever believes. Uh, but the, 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 I said, but God said, I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. 
And you would think it would put an end to all strife. But when it comes to the Word of God, people had that have no integrity in God's Word. They've got integrity in the Word of the President. Integrity in that guy's Word and this guy's Word that guy's Word. But when it comes to what the Bible says, they have no integrity in the Word of God. But the Word said He took your infirmities and all your sicknesses. He said, well, I don't know about all, you know, blah, 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 blah. I said, but the Word said. How hard do I have to pound that into your head that the Word said? Evidently, that the Word means nothing. Who said it? Somebody know what he's talking about? You see what I mean by integrity? You must be born again. I don't believe like you believe. Jesus said you must be born again. But my rabbi said, Jesus said you must be born again. Well, you know my neighbor down the street said, Jesus said... You don't know what that does. If it does that to me, what it must do to the Spirit of God. I say, Lord, I say, Jesus said, and they say, somebody down the street said, what? Where's integrity? Who do we have faith in? Oh, but I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. You believe it might be written there, but that's about it. Okay, let's read it all. I told you I could preach them out on that one verse right over there. It should put an end to all strife right there. No more arguing, no more division, no more strife. God said. Put E.F. Hutton out of business. <laughs> there it is, God, right out of business. God said, amen. When God says, you better listen, amen. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Hallelujah. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by, in, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Oh, I want to tell you something. God cannot lie. And when you step out upon the, the Word of God and you know that this Word cannot lie and you know that this Word holds all the power of all creation and you stand fast upon that Word, there's nothing better, beloved, to stand upon the bare Word of God. Just to hold on to it and watch God work on your behalf and be your shield and exceedingly great reward. Oh, there's nothing better than that. But you see, He can't lie. Now, that was Jehovah backing up the Old Covenant. But it's to my knowledge that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Better than that? I didn't write it. Seventh chapter, of, you're in the sixth, look at the seventh chapter of Hebrews, verse 22. I want to say this again because I want, I want you to grab a hold of it. This does not take away from God's sovereignty. Okay? It does not. Do you understand what I say when I'm saying it doesn't take away from God's sovereignty? Uh, let me explain this just for a minute. Some people will say, um, if you say that if, if you are attacked with a sickness or something's in your body, if you say that God has to heal you if you meet the condition, then you're taking away God's sovereignty. You're saying, what if it's not His will? Or what if He just doesn't want to? Let God be God. He's sovereign. He can do what He wants. He don't have to heal you if He doesn't want to. No, 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 no. That's a lie. That is a lie. 
Does not the Bible say, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what? Who wills? You will, and it will be done to you. I'll give you another definition of that as we go on. Okay. If you will ask what you will, it will be done to you if the word abides in you. Now, God said that. I didn't say that. God said that. So then if I will to be healed and I ask and the word abides in me, then I will be healed. Because he has revealed his will to me and said it's his will to heal me. Now, that settles the question right there. Amen? But it's up to me to live up to the standards of the Word of God. It's up to me to walk before Him and be thou perfect. It's up to me to allow the Word to live mightily within me. So I can ask what I will, and it will be done unto me. Okay? Now that's not taking away from God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is, He might just tell me to call three or four people up here right here tonight and just say, boom, 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 and He'll every one of them, just like that. That's God's sovereignty. One fellow get gets a tub. I never saw anything like it in my life. You want to talk about God's sovereignty? He gets a tub. You know, tub. Fills up with water. And uh, he puts it under a tent. And gets a healing line on this side of the tent, you know, and line them up. There's the tub inside the tent. You walk in this door, go in the water, walk out healed. I mean, you're soaked. But I'll tell you what, you walk in that water and you get to the other side and you're healed, you don't care how wet you are. That's God's sovereignty. If he wants to do that, he can do it. Amen? But what we're talking about is not taking away from God's sovereignty because he has made known unto us his will and he must keep the word. If you meet the conditions of that word. Now, in the 22nd verse, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Jesus, then, is the guarantee of the new covenant. He is the guarantee that of this new testament, that the better testament that you and I have. He's the guarantee that every word from Genesis to Revelation will come to pass in all heaven. And the throne of God stands behind him to see to it that the word does come to pass. That's integrity. Wow. You've got Jesus, the entire throne of God, all the angels working to see to it that if you take God at his word, he will perform it. That is powerful. Amen. He is the guarantee of it. There must be a guarantee. There must be a surety. If Jehovah was of the old, Jesus is of the new. Well, it says it right there. Now, sometimes I think we, we've neglected this. It's found in, in John's Gospel, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was what God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not made anything that was made. Amen. In Him was life. The life was the light of man. Light shone in the darkness. Darkness comprehended it not. But then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. God had linked Himself up to His Word in so much that His Word is Himself. Now grab a hold of that. God is, is His Word and the Word is God and you cannot separate them one from another. God has put Himself into His Word. Amen. 
God and His Word are one. If you want to grab a hold of the reins of God, grab a hold of the Word. What does that mean? That guarantees you and that guarantees me that 1 John 1, 9 is backed up by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and everybody else involved. That means if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just and will forgive you your sin. Well, if in God's sovereignty He doesn't have to heal your body, how do you know in His sovereignty He might not forgive your sin? You might have been cruel. Well, oh, but he has to forgive your sin. Why? Because he said he will. You got yourself. He's got to heal your body because he already did. Amen? He's got to provide your need because he said he would. Isn't that right? Now, when you go to prayer and realize that God has to do it and it doesn't happen, you better get on your knees and say, Lord, where have I missed it? Understand? You got to. I've done it all my life. I mean, you know, I didn't, we didn't just walk off into these things. Some people think, well, you, you got a special thing. You just walked off. Right. No, I didn't. I had to figure out all these things like you've got to figure them out. What, what's, why, you know, what did I do? What do I have to do, Lord? And I'm praying. And what, what, you know, I know the word is true. 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 How many of you said that? I know the word is true. Dear God, I know the word. Lord, anybody, I believe your word. I believe your word. But you just didn't get it. Well, you hold tight. We'll, we'll, we'll show you how to get out of that and get into the getting it. Amen. Now, Jesus said in John 16, 28, He was the Word, came flesh. But Jesus said in John 16, 28, He says, I came from the Father. I left the Father. I came into the world. And now I'm going to leave the world and I'm going to go unto the Father. Well, if Jesus was the Word made flesh, then Jesus, the Word made flesh, has now left. And He's not here any longer. He has gone up and He's now at the right hand of God. He's, at, he's with the Father. Isn't that right? But something took his place. Jesus and the Word are one. The spoken Word takes the place of the resurrected Christ. God has put himself into his Word. That Word is God. God is still here, He's in His Word. The Word and God are one. Just because Jesus left, he left, he left, yes, physically, his bodily rather, but he is still here in the power of his word. He upholds all things by the power of his word. God has actually put himself into his word. That word has power to create still and to change lives. Go to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Now note this, if God is His Word and God cannot lie, then the Word cannot lie and the Word must be effective and operative in this life. Amen? It's got to be. Look at the second chapter. I want you to see something here. Verse 13. In First Thessalonians, 
Okay. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received... Now, in the King James it says, the Word of God. But in another translation it says, when you received the spoken Word. Alright, the Word of God, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The reason why I said it's the spoken Word of God, because this is the first of the Pauline epistles. It's the first of the 14 epistles. And up until this point, they had no written word. They just had the spoken word. Now, to the point of this letter, you'll find out where they were in their development by the spoken word without the written word. And you'll see, listen, it says, he said back here, he said the word is working in you effectually because you have believed it to be the word of God who cannot lie and that word must hold true in your life. Well, just how was it working? Go back to the first chapter. I'll show you how it's working. Verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. I want you to know something here. Paul prayed for other saints and other churches, but he prayed prayers of that their eyes would be opened to the understanding and they would know what is the spirit of wisdom and counsel and etc. etc. the power of the resurrection, that they would know that they would know and act and walk and, 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 and understand all these things. But look what he prays over here to this church. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. He says, I recognize the faith you're walking in. I recognize the love you're walking in. I recognize the patience you're walking in. I recognize the hope you're watching, walking in in the sight of God our Father. That church was on fire for God, friends. They're walking in it. Look at, look at, let's read on. Knowing, brother, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. That sounds like to me, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, Paul says, I came to you not in the word of men's wisdom, but I came in the power of the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I came speaking to you the wisdom of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's all the word that they had, and it was working in their lives. It was working effectually, he said, in their lives, in faith, in love, in patience, and in hope in this group of people. Verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. Having received the word. Notice this. In much affliction. With joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living, um, turn from to God from idols to serve the true and living and true God. That sounds like to me in Acts, the 26th chapter, verse 18, when Jesus, when Paul was rehashing what Jesus had said unto him in the vision, he said, He has told me to go and preach this gospel, to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of the living God, and it worked effectually at Thessalonica. 
He said the Word had power in it to turn them from serving idols and Satan and demon worship to the power of the living God, the resurrected Christ, and it was working in these people's lives effectually. And they didn't have a Bible in front of them. I want you to see that. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Beloved, the Word is alive. The Word is effective. The Word is operative. The Word is sharp. Go to Hebrews 4. You've got to, let's, let's read right on through it. The fourth chapter, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version of the Bible. This word works. It will always work. It will never fail. It will be effective in your life. It will be operative in your life. If you understand it. Verse 12. For the word of God that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active and operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of soul and of the immortal spirit and the joints and the marrow. That is, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and naked and defenseless to the eyes to, of him with whom we have to do. Now that word is effectually working. It is operative. It is active. It is energizing. The word will always work. It is incorruptible. It is always aggressive. It's always working. It's always working to produce fruit all the time. Always, 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 always. Do you got that? It's always working. It's incorruptible. It'll never fail. Now let's compare. First, uh, let's go to, to Jeremiah. Let's compare the scripture to that statement. Jeremiah, the first chapter, verse 12. This is the word the Spirit of God led me to look up. Like I said, you know it. Now notice, it says it's alive, it is active, it is operative, it is energizing, it is continually working, working and working, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it is working, there's nothing that's, that's hid before the, the, the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That word is always working for anybody that will call upon the name of the Lord and receive that word. But now in, in Jeremiah 1.12... Then said the Lord to me, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, You have seen well, for I am. I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. I am. He said, I am. Watching over my word. I am active. I am. The Lord is. I am alert. I am active. Actively watching over my word to perform it. And that word perform there, the Spirit of God, let me look up, means to do it, to accomplish it, to bring forth, to fulfill it, and to keep it. I am. 
The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, watching over His Word, making sure that if anybody has got a portion of God's Word and stuck it in his heart, he is watching over it so that it is actively working itself inside your spirit so that He will bring, cause it to bring forth, cause it to, to happen, cause it to be performed, cause it to be kept in your life. It will work to bear fruit because God is watching over it to do it. That's what He's saying. Can you imagine that? Sounds like everything's on our side. It is. But we've got to receive it. We've got to understand this. That's what he is doing with his word. He's got to be. There's too much word in there. He has got to be doing this with his word so that he can perform his word in our lives. It will work. It will bring forth fruit. We've got to, we've got to get through this too. Well... Let's just say this. What, what does it mean to you and I that God is watching over His Word to perform it? What does it mean to you and me that God is actively and uh, very alert to watch over the Word, to make sure that that Word is working, to make sure that the Word is acting in it, it, whatever He said it would do, he's, it's going to act out that part? Well, I want you to see something. When God says... In John 16, 27, Jesus said, For the Father himself loveth you. That means everybody in this congregation has the right. And I don't care how ugly you feel or think you are. If you'll put that all away and just realize that God and his word are one, you could take that scripture, John 16, 27, and look up to heaven and say, Father, you love me because I love Jesus. And you know that all heaven has to back that up. You know that. It means you can take a scripture like John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask what ye will, listen, and it will leap into being, and it will become real. And you could take that word and say, Father, I could do that. And you can hear his voice and say, Son, I said you could. I want to show you how the reality of God's Word could be, it could be so real. It's just as though the Father was right here. What's the difference if He wrote it or spoke it and said to you, I've given you my peace. The world can't take that peace away from me because it didn't give it to you. I've given you my peace. Be not afraid. Fear not, son. I am with you. The weight that's behind those words when you understand the integrity of those words. You may have to call on the Holy Spirit to help you. I, you, you have to. L words like Mark eleven twenty three or 24, both of them. Jesus said. Who said? Who said it? Listen, I didn't write the Bible. But I know it's integrity. And if Jesus said that if you would speak to the mountain... Be removed and it would be removed if you believed in your heart and doubted not. 
It'll come to pass. And if you would believe that, the, that when you pray that you receive, you would have. Well, then those words are true. And Jesus said them to you. And it means if you'll believe that and act upon that, it will work. It will work in your life. That's integrity. Now, you may call upon the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit of God, I don't understand this. Look at this. Jesus made all these astounding statements. It means that when Jesus said in John 14, 12, The works I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I go to my Father. It means you'll sit back and say, Oh, my. Holy Spirit of God, what am I going to do? How am I going to understand how this works? The Holy Spirit will help you. Guide you, teach you in all truth to see to it that that word becomes yours. It's like a voice coming from heaven that says to you, speak it into existence and it'll be yours. It's like a voice says to you, ask what you will, it shall be done unto you, and you know it's the Father's voice. I said, when you understand the integrity of God's word, that word will be to you the Father's voice, the voice of the Father God. You say, what's the problem then? And I've got much to get through, but um, praise God. You want to have a camp meeting? Listen, the problem is this, and I want to get this in. John 6, 63. Don't have to turn to it. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I want to bring you up to this point. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word that's active and operative inside your spirit that has given you eternal life, those are spirit words. Now listen. Those words must gain entrance into the physical realm through the spirit. How much time do I got that? Hallelujah to Jesus. I got to get this in. The word is the seed of eternal life. It's planted into the spirit of man. The condition of the soil, we said the, the soil, the heart, is what determines whether or not it will produce. But Jesus himself had to, who is the word, had to come in by the door. Right? He came from the spirit world to the physical world through the door, through the human spirit. And he did it when somebody here believed the word was powerful, believed that word, acted on that word in their heart. Just as everything starts in the spirit, then to the natural, so the word of God is spirit, it produces life, but to get that life from the spirit into the natural, you've got to bring it through the way of the spirit realm. You follow me so far? And that's the reason why people don't, un don't get it from the spirit to the natural because they don't know how to. And I'm going to end it right there because I, I, I've got to get into this. I'll probably have to pick it up from here. We'll pick it up right here. Amen. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.